If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another listener episode of the podcast and happy 2024. It is January 2nd, 2024. It's a new year. We made it through the holidays. I know the holidays can be one of the toughest times as we navigate a breakup. I really hope today's guest brings some inspiration and some hope and some levity to your day. But today I have a listener on Dan. Dan is 45. He is a writer in LA and he came on and we had such a fun conversation. We talked about obviously the relationship that he was coming out of, but more so we just talked about this idea of how to get to know yourself after working on your codependent tendencies. We talked a lot about how to get to know yourself as a people pleaser, putting yourself in situations that you wouldn't normally, and how that can pay off. Dan's such a good example of learning. As someone who is, you know, he self-proclaimed big people pleaser, he has really taken the steps to appreciate being on his own. And I think his story and and the things that he did that you'll hear about will really give some hope for those of you who feel like you'll never be able to feel okay without your ex. So I love talking to Dan. Super excited to share this conversation with you guys. And again, happy 2024. Welcome, Dan, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. As someone who I have chatted with over DMs, it's so nice to have you on and and get like a full-blown face-to-face conversation. So thanks for coming on. Oh, my absolute pleasure. I'm excited to brag about nice stuff, you know? (laughs) Amazing. No, that's great. Yeah, that's what I always tell people. I'm like, let's not focus too much on the breakups. Let's shed some hope for the people that are just in the thick of it. So, So I'm really appreciative to have you on. Can you just start by telling us a little bit about you? Yeah. So I am 45 years old. I'm a writer and performer who lives in Los Angeles. I moved out here from Chicago about 10 years ago. And, you know, I come from a rough childhood. I have much farther back was in a rough relationship. And I I have a lot of people pleasing tendencies, you know, like I have a lot of codependency tendencies where 
or I have, I feel like I'm doing a lot better since my last breakup a year ago, but I would always work on it and feel like I was making progress my whole life. Just going to therapy. I've always been pretty proactive about therapy and I'm a very resilient person. So despite the fact that I've been through all that stuff, I've always been very proud. Like, oh, like I always am not super self-destructive. Like no matter how bad things get, I always have this impulse to just push. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm very grateful for it because it feels almost genetic. Like I feel, I feel like there's been a many points where I was just incredibly depressed because of things that had been happening around me or, you know, just my life changing very quickly. And I've been able to just be like, yeah, but I have to be okay. And I don't know a lot of my friends who have had rough times don't always have that. And <laughs> so I've kind of. Yeah. The people pleasing, I think, also comes from just like knowing other people with trauma and swooping in and being the one who's got a head on their shoulders. But I, I have always been like, so oh, I'll, I'll fix this. I'll fix this. Yeah. And it's sometimes you really just need to focus on your own life, your own choices, your own responsibilities. And it can be really tempting to see somebody you care about and be like, well, I, I know how I could help. What yeah. if I said this is how I could like it gets really codependent really fast. Yeah. You know, I had to I had to kind of learn how to reframe how I say everything. And like if I really do want to offer like a, a friend some help, I have to say, like, well, I hope you're okay. You know, here's what I can do. Yeah. And just sort of put it out there and not be like, let me do this for you. And I feel like I was at a pretty good place of that when I started this relationship that ended up in the in the rough breakup. So I had this friend who she and I were both divorced and we were friends for like five years. And then we started developing this chemistry. She proposed we have like a fling. I was like, oh, well, I don't really do flings. I'm a, I'm a demisexual, which is like on the asexual spectrum. I don't really have like sexual attraction to somebody unless I'm close with them. Yeah. And then like, this isn't how all demisexuals are, but I personally am very like strict monogamy and and I'm even like a little bit non-binary and just, I just don't believe in the binary being relevant to me, but I'm basically just a straight dude. And <laughs> it can be very confusing sometimes with chemistry and talking about getting into dating and relationships. Cause a lot of times people be like, you just explained your identity to me for 45 minutes and you're just a straight dude. I don't understand <laughs> like why it's so complicated. And it's like, well, it's, it's not, but I want to know where you know, where like my boundaries are coming from. Cause I have dated people, including this ex that I'm talking about where they were just like kind of surprised and didn't always know how real it was because of their own trauma. And so I proposed we have a relationship and they were a little skeptical, but we then had like, I would say two months of like a very idyllic, like dating up to a relationship. Like it was really awesome. And then COVID happened. Mm. And I was listening to the episode you had with Maya in Chicago. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like almost 20 years older than her <laughs> and, a, and, and a dude. But like, I do feel like I had a lot of parallels, including breaking up last October and also just this trauma early in the relationship. Mine was obviously very different, but it was this thing where everyone was kind of being traumatized and it was really hard for me. It was really hard for her. And we had a couple more months of what I would call like a really solid communicative relationship, but things started to really unravel and it went on for like two more years, but 
you know, <laughs> I really tried not to go into codependent people pleasing mode, but it really became like I was getting a lot of signs that she wanted to move on and that she had kind of with enthusiasm for me that was real, convinced herself a relationship with me was what she wanted. Hmm. And she's talking a lot about like how like, you know, oh, I see this person is attractive, this person attractive. And then we hadn't been intimate in like a very long time. And I was like, well, you're talking about other people a lot more and you're talking about me. And then she would get defensive or want to change the subject. And then I would want to fix it. And uh, then, yeah, after it had gotten pretty, like we were not really seeing each other much for a couple of months. She broke up with me last Halloween and we lived together. And again, like Maya, like I was just sort of like, how do you do this when you live together yeah. this is bonkers and it was so hard like i spent like 24 hours thinking we're gonna be friends for the rest of our lives we are so close we still tried to hang out a lot we did we like went shopping together all this stuff i'm just like yeah that can't stop right and then i tried to sleep in different rooms but in the same house yeah for one night and i couldn't sleep for a minute i was just having a panic attack sundown to sunup you know she's just she's excited she was she saw this coming she's just like you know feeling free confused why i'm three rooms away like breaking down crying and and uh i was like i i can't i can't be here so i i found friends who i could stay with and we arranged it like okay like and then she will stay with friends and then we will just not stay in the same place and i started finding resources like you and and learning about no contact and you know, thank God it's some vast resources and that it's easy to find because I know I'd heard of it when I was dating just casually. And <laughs> it always seemed like, oh, I'll never need that. I, I yeah. That's drastic, especially like blocking people. That seems so aggressive. But the second I had 24 hours, completely no contact. And I knew I'd have to like talk to her again any minute for just uh, dealing with apartment stuff. I was like, I, I need to go full no contact as soon as possible. I need to work towards it. I need to find boundaries that accommodate that. And um, it was sad because it really does accelerate the grieving process in a lot of ways. You're really kind of like. It's ripping the bandaid off for sure. It, oh boy. Yeah. And um, on the bright side, I felt like within a month, I really understood what I should be accountable for. Like what, you know, stuff like being like, I'm pro relationship, even though that's not what you came to me with, like from the beginning was maybe a sign that we weren't a good match. Mm -hmm. But it was really painful to be good to go from like, you are my person, we hang out all the time, we live together to that. And to go, I don't really know if I ever want to see you again, yeah. like at all, which is the case. I've been like full no contact since our lease ended like this have mid December last year. Okay. And they were stunned that I wanted it. They didn't get it. I think we had some issues during the relationship where it was like I would bring up boundaries and she would be like, eh, what? And then <laughs> later she'd be like, how come you don't have any boundaries? And I'd be like, well, I did. You just didn't like them. Yeah. And you changed the subject. <laughs> and, I didn't really want to hear them. Yeah. When you are like, oh, I, but I love this person. You can, it's kind of startling how much you will compromise your boundaries and what you want without realizing it's really a compromise and like you'll set things aside without realizing you're setting them aside. You'll be like, Oh, well, we together are working on this. When in reality, what you're saying is I don't value this as much as other things. And I'm letting my partner see that I don't value 
that as much. And they're going to take a cue from that. Yeah. And I really learned how this is something I really appreciate about what you do and how you frame things is you can be pretty hardcore with how you pitch stuff like no contact, but then you come back and you're always just like, just, Hey, everybody, if you heard me taking the hard line and you were worried, there were no exceptions to this. Yes. You're like, I I just want to qualify this. I always really appreciate that because I feel like, especially like with the non-binary thing, I, I don't think that really changes who I am or what I do very much. But I do feel like I don't relate to a lot of masculine points of view where they're like really aggressive about advice and just sort of bark it at you and tell you that this is what you got to do is what you got to do. I I start just tuning it all out (laughs) and being like, okay, okay, this feels like it's more about you being having therapeutic power over me than me actually learning anything. And I feel like you, you do a really good job of encouraging people to take a hard line with stuff and still qualify it. Like, like the no contact thing. It's just so important. You have that space. To just not see them. Yeah. I think you need the hard line to hear what's going on internally with yourself because there needs to be so much nurturing that happens during a breakup. But it's just it's really hard to nurture yourself when there's so much noise from an ex getting in there. And the thing is, like, there's already noise you're thinking about. That's why I always say, like, cut the triggers you can because you're going to be triggered all the time. So cut whatever you can out, whatever is within your control. And I loved what you said about boundaries too. There's this really big misconception with boundaries, me included. I used to think this way that boundaries were this very, I'm going to use the term that I used to identify with it, very bitchy thing to do. And it's to (laughs) ice people out of your life. And It's more about someone who doesn't care what other people think about them. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned is for people that do have the codependent tendencies like me, those are the people that need it the most. Those are the people that need boundaries the most because they're the ones they're most sensitive. So many people out there who don't have codependent tendencies can just say things on the fly of like, no, I don't want to go do that. Or no, that's not going to work for me. Whereas for people, and I don't mean to speak for you, but like for me, I have to like prep myself for like, okay, you can't say yes to these things. And I have to have that conversation with myself beforehand. And if I get something like on the fly that I feel uncomfortable saying no to, I have to say, let me get back to you. And then I have to go back and like prep myself to say no and then come back and say no. So it's like some people it's just automatic. And I think that's incredible not me (laughs) like I wish I had those skills (laughs) but I think for people that do have the codependent tendencies it's it's very difficult to we can trick ourselves into thinking that we won't and we can just like I don't think we can ever fully (laughs) change that part of ourselves but we can have tools like you said we can have tools that allow us to to live in a way that we're not always feel like we're being overwhelmed or taken advantage of yeah, you know, I went to my therapist with when I had that boundaries conversation, I was like, why are they not sticking? And she recommended this book to me, Boundary Boss by Terry Cole. Oh, yeah, I had her on. She's oh, amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, that was a real game changer. My therapist had just recommended Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff to me. And I had done like a bunch of guided meditation for PTSD and anxiety and was just like, in the right place. Like, if you know, how, especially like how to meditate a little bit, This thing Terry Cole does is just absolutely invaluable where she talks about going through your boundary basement and like think about all the pain you you feel when you're triggered 
and instead of just shelving it right away, sit with it and like ask your body, like, like, where is this pain? Where is it coming from? And especially with, you know, people who are coping with PTSD, like you really start to learn how much your brain and memory are in your entire central nervous system. Totally. You know, like you're, it's really a lot more like, you know, a full network of a brain throughout your entire body than you might realize. And when you ask, like when you talk to yourself and you're reflecting, like, what is it that hurts? Where is it that hurts? Where does that come from? You'll be really surprised what like your lower back will tell you about your personal history and like what you're worried about. Yeah. And the exercises that Terry Cole puts in that book are just so helpful for codependent folks. And I think codependent folks really need like the word boundaries. You know, like a lot of this does seem like second nature, but I didn't know how to, I think this, this also goes back to like what I like about when you take a hard line and I'll take the heat for this. You don't have to take the heat for this Kendra, but I just want to <laughs> say I've, I've found it is especially because I haven't dated any, I dated some people after my really painful breakup, but I haven't dated anyone now for a little over five months, no getting frisky, no nothing. And I can wait. I think I spent a lot of time thinking like having a romantic partner was the thing I wanted in life. Mm-hmm. And that romance was, and like having a story that's romantic was really this, this like addictive, charming concept to me, but like life is cool. I don't have to complicate it with, with another person if they're not the right person. And I really would love to just be the, the hard ass. Who's just like, y'all, you don't need to settle for like literally slightly less, you know? Yeah. And that was a really hard lesson for me because I think I don't believe in the one. I do believe it's cool to have a person, but I think there's a handful of folks out there who you'd be a really great match with. It's just a very big world and it might take a long time if you are patient and I'm willing to be patient. Like I'm willing to like, even not go on apps. I don't think apps are for me between PTSD and ADHD. And I have this thing, hyperphantasia where like my brain automatically creates a lot of imagery for yeah, things. I've heard of which, that. Yeah. As a writer, it's super great. Like no complaints, not even, a, <laughs> not even a handicap, but when you combine it with PTSD, it gives me OCD tendencies. Like I get all these intrusive thoughts and then I get a whole visual cinematic story that comes with them. And I really need to be like those romances. I told myself I wanted that I created. That's all shit. My brain made up to comfort me and that's nice. Thanks brain. But I don't, I shouldn't make a compromise that'll make me miserable just because I think I'm close because trying to get someone to fit a mold, it's ruin. Like you can't pursue somebody who's close because they're an autonomous human being and they're going to be like, something feels off here. Like they don't know who I am. And it's because you're trying to imagine them fitting this story in your head. And so I've really found it. It's handy to think like this. And I want to encourage anyone (laughs) just like, be ready to just wait forever because you'll be okay. Like it, you're an awesome person It learn how awesome you are. Learn to enjoy how awesome you are. I've had so much fun with my friends. I've reconnected with an old friend from college who was my best friend then. And my girlfriend at the time pressured me to stop talking to her because she was threatened by her. Okay. And yeah, my best friend from college is now married with a kid. Very happy with that life. But I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, I think I was kind of a dick and I iced you out. And she was like, oh, my God, I didn't know how bad I needed this apology. I haven't talked to you in forever. And we've gotten really close over the last year. 
You know, That's I've gotten incredible. I've, I've gotten close with her husband and her kid even because they're just like, oh my God, it's Dan who we've heard about. And I found just through the writer performer community, more people who are just positive influences who are enthusiastic about hanging out with me and just like how nice it is to have that be completely platonic, you know, and like not have there be any like, oh, is this friend attracted to this person? Like when you're young and you don't have like no one has boundaries. You're these adults who are just sort of like, well, I showed up to have fun. My libido is this whole other conversation we don't need to get into, (laughs) you know, and I found so many enriching friendships because I have like really reframed the idea of being in a romantic. I think I would still like it. And I have a friend who's getting married in a week who's like, oh, when I'm done getting married, I want to set you up with one of my friends because you're like so great. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to bug you about it. (laughs) Yeah, see, that's the thing. You can want both. Like I actually just feel I was talking to this about this with someone in another interview. I think there's this another misconception of like, oh, I like my life single. Liking your life single does not mean I never want a relationship. It can be, hey, I'm open to it. But I think what you're what you're talking about here is a mistake that a lot of people make is when they're in a relationship, they have this compartment in their brain and their energy for a relationship. And then that goes away. And obviously the breakup and the the void that's left there does take up a lot of energy, especially in the beginning. But I think a lot of people just hold that space and put a ton of energy into it instead of just being like, okay, I'm just going to move this compartment to the side for right now and put my energy elsewhere and then come back to that later if if that that shows up, you know. But I think a lot of people continue to put energy into either their ex, the next person that they want to date, uh-huh. fantasizing about the next person that they want to be with, hyper fixating no. on how much they hate their ex instead of, you know, doing what you did, which is I'm just going to push this to the side right now and I'm going to invest in my friends. I'm going to invest in my career. That is, I think, one of the biggest keys to being able to let go of a breakup and get to a place where you feel content not being in a relationship. And uh, I think framing it and word choice is really important. I'm just so sensitive. And I hear you using words where I'm like, well, what I would say instead of pushing it aside is I am setting it aside, you know, because it's yeah. like you're not being aggressive with your lack of a romantic. Life. No, you're that's saying, very true. And also, it's not even about what you're setting aside. It's not even about what you're letting go of. The grieving will happen. You really should just be focused on what are all the awesome things I could be doing. And it's hard because you hear people give you half good advice, like treat yourself, date yourself, you know, give yourself all that attention. And it doesn't sound good because it is a different space. But like, if you just focus on good things and things you know will be good for you, you'll be kind of surprised that like a lot of that holding space becomes just simple time management. Like, do you have time to date anybody? In your day, think the level you want to be romantic with somebody will fit into your current career schedule. You should be aware of that, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's space-wise all you really need to think about if you're taking care of yourself. I want to think of myself as having like an open heart, but I also really think it's important. I am just looking at how enjoyable life is limerence you know limerence i've heard of it but you're gonna have to remind me what okay so i didn't know this word existed till like three months ago okay but i feel like i've heard it on a podcast recently but yeah i, don't know what it is. I think it's maybe coming back into fashion after being a w- word for like hundreds of years that was like just too specific but like it is i saw this venn diagram because i've been through slaw her name's pia melody who does like love addiction book is really good yes but there's this like venn diagram of on one side is a crush, 
On the other side is limerence. And then in the middle somewhere with some of those traits is healthy love. And I, mm. I stared at that Venn diagram for a long time and started reading the caption under it about limerence. I was like, oh, no, I don't think I like have ever had a crush. I think I have intrusive thoughts. And that's limerence where you're like imagining romance with somebody. You're ruminating on it. It's limerence. You have limerence for someone you don't love them. And yeah. I don't think I've ever done that instead of love somebody, but I do think I often will experience limerence for someone who's not a good match. And then I don't know what to do with myself. I just become really despondent. I'm like, I, I thought this was the one. I don't know why it's not working. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that. I mean, even just thinking of going back to what you said about being able to kind of see your part in the relationship, which I think everyone should get to a point where they are able to see that. But I think that's a big one of, I thought you were going to be someone else and you weren't, but that's on me. Like I talk about before my husband and I broke up, he said, like, I don't know if I ever want to get married. I don't know if I ever, I'm ever going to want kids. It was written on the wall, plain as day. We had so many conversations about it, but I was like, but you're not (laughs) saying like, absolutely not, you know? So I really tried to make Mm -hmm. him into someone that, he was not. And I thought like, okay, if you come on vacation with my family, you'll feel like family's great, you know? Yeah, and that's yeah. the conversation I had with him, you know, a year and a half after our breakup was, I'm sorry, I, you know, really tried to make you into something that you weren't. You were very honest yeah. with your truth about it. And I think a lot of us, we'd see signs that we just subconsciously probably decide not to see because they don't really match with mm-hmm. what we want or what we think we want. And then at some point that all comes to a head. I had a lot of signs. There were things like I, I, ha- I would have like a really bad experience with the doctor because you know, I'm, I'm a cancer survivor. I have, to, I have to sometimes get checkups and I had all these like secondary things happening later in the relationship where I had to go to these specialists and I would be I would have a really bad experience to the point where I was like anyone would have this happen to them and I know they would be traumatized and I would want to talk about it with my ex and she would just go like kind of wince and start looking at her phone like while I was talking and I'd be like that's not and I would I told her I was like that's not okay like wait a minute I'm just not going to tell you this if you can't have an actual Hold conversation space for it, yeah and I feel like I saw so many moments like that where I should have just walked but I was like I can fix this or we can have a conversation yeah. and I would just think about all those compromises and it's like y'all you're great walk it sucks Yeah. Getting a new apartment and blowing $5,000 on like a security deposit and new furniture absolutely blew. But I wish I'd done it sooner anyway. If you are a listener of this podcast, you know I warn about how your phone can either be a great tool or a huge obstacle when it comes to getting over your breakup. Instead of spending time on your phone trying to figure out what your ex is up to, why not spend some time engaging in a super fun mystery game that will help take your mind off your breakup? June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. 
I am such a big mystery and puzzle fan, so this game has been so fun for me to get into. When I'm looking for a little escape from reality during the day or a way to relax that doesn't involve social media, it's been so fun to use my brain in a new way by diving into Joom's captivating quest and engaging my sense of observation to find the hidden clues. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is so important to share your thoughts and feelings while going through a breakup, especially if it's something you're feeling any guilt or shame around. I know whenever I'm struggling with a certain thought or situation and I keep it to myself, it gets heavier and heavier and feels harder and harder to manage. I truly believe we are as sick as our secrets. Therapy has always been a safe space for me to have a judgment-free zone to get things off my chest. Whether it's something from my past, a current struggle, or something I'm anxious about in the future, I always feel lighter when I'm able to share something that feels scary. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash heartbreak. Since getting sober over 11 years ago, most of my friends don't drink, and last month at my birthday dinner, we were going around the table talking about our favorite non-alcoholic drink, and almost everyone at the table was talking about how much they love recess, me included. Not only is Recess Mood a delicious drink, Strawberry Rose is my favorite, but they also have Raspberry Lemon, which is so good, Lime Citrus, and more. It's made with real fruit, it's only 20 calories, and it comes with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium, so it can also bring me a much, much needed moment of peace. So whether you're like me and are always on the hunt for functional and tasty non-alcoholic drinks, or you're just looking for something healthy to unwind at the end of the day, Recess mood should be your go-to. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I know a lot of people who have had bad relationships in the past and then a relationship crosses their path. That's not bad. It's not like terrible. This was still somehow like the most healthy long-term relationship. Totally. Yeah, that's what I'm like, saying. It's like there's so many good times layered on top of this that it was really easy to get confused. Yes. And that's the thing. That's why we have to like be in multiple. I mean, that's why I think we need to be in multiple relationships because we do need to yeah. learn like both sides of our spectrum of before what we settle we, down, before we figure out what our our middle is, you know, because no one can yeah. tell us what an ideal relationship is going to be. It's something you kind of have to feel and it's experience. Yours. Yeah. And everyone's different. There's no like guidebook on these are the things that you need to prefer in a relationship. So I know that that can be true of like, OK, well, this happened to me after my abusive relationship. I was like, I was not yelling. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of multi-day silent treatments where I was like, well, they're not yelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and I found um, something like you're when you say multiple relationships, I think about this really weird lesson I learned. Again, I really am focused on my PTSD and my central nervous system and the healing I've gone through for that and like Pavlovian stuff. Mm -hmm. I've never had one of my therapists bring up Pavlov. And it is kind of like a very unsexy kind of 
like I just remember it from example. like AP chemistry cl- or not chemistry psychology class in high school. It That's like the a- last time I feel like I heard about that. This might be a terrible example, but it's what I think of, no. and it might be helpful to hear this. You know, and it was like being tortured. I, I'm very sorry. I've been a vegetarian my whole life, so I'm very aware of this stuff. But like the dog was like hearing a bell, and its mouth would salivate. Yeah, it's because it was expecting it. I feel like your body. And your brain expects so many of your favorite things to happen the same way that you have to kind of condition yourself to enjoy them by yourself. You know, like I would go for a walk with my ex and think, I love going for a walk with my ex. This fucking rules. I love all the weird birds that fly by. I love, I love talking about stuff. I love people who left nice furniture on the curb that maybe we'll pick up later. And then when I would go for a walk by myself right after the breakup, I'd be like, this is what we used to do. We used to walk, but like everybody walks. And if you, if you go for nice walks, if you like go for hikes, if you do things like alone, it's not so much about treating yourself or dating yourself. It's really just like telling your central nervous system, like to expect a nice thing alone. Because if you, the first few times you do it, it's like, oh, they should be there. Why are they not next to me? Mm-hmm. I'm conditioned to have this person with me when I go to a nice restaurant, with me when I go to the movies. Where are they? Where are they? But you have to get out of the house and do all that stuff alone. Even if you think it's going to suck, and it might, you have to do it without depending on another three-dimensional human being with their own needs all the time. Yeah, You have to know, like, this is great for me. And and condition it. Like, your brain will know before your body does. And you kind of have to sometimes tell your body to catch up and be like, when you're experiencing (laughs) raised heart rate, sunlight on your skin don't look to your right and expect another human being like it, it's really kind of this weird basic thing for me sometimes where i have to kind of train myself in this <laughs> Pavlovian I mean, it sounds so dumb but like i really do think it's that simple so i had dr amen on the podcast and he said that when you go through a breakup your brain is literally looking for your ex they're like where yeah, are they yeah. where is my like source of dope where's my dopamine hit yeah from this person? them dopamine hits let's where are they where are they at where are they at? yeah so your brain's actually looking for them and it's so much of a breakup is changing habits or just readjusting yeah. habits in a way of you know if you haven't exercised your whole life the first time you go it's gonna suck it's gonna suck you know oh my and- god i did that and it's yeah. horrible <laughs> and you're not going to like love it right away. It's something you just have to kind of keep doing just like we can adjust our taste buds. There's so many things we can adjust, but there is discomfort in the beginning. Yeah. And I love that you can tell yourself, I'm going to go on this walk. It's going to like, I'm going to think about my ex. I'm probably going to get sad, probably going to be really in my head that people think like, oh, why is that girl walking by herself? She must be so lonely. Uh Like, you know, all these things that we, our head makes up. If you can just say, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to feel this way, but I'm just going to do it anyway, then the next time it's going to be easier. So two things I want to say to that. First is, yeah, you have to kind of like learn to take a huge risk. There's all these places where I want to go that I know, oh, there's only going to be dates there. Like I went to a haunted house the other day and it was like, wow, I'm the only solo person here. All these couples at the haunted house. It's such a couple thing to do. And I'm like, not going to worry about it. Not going to worry, but it, you'll notice it and you have to yeah. kind of console yourself and be kind of like, you're rad. Everyone's going to be like, who's that rad person by themselves? Or like, I'll be, you know, 
listening to music on my headphones and I'll kind of just want to like dance while I'm listening to music, but I'll realize I'm on a busy street corner. It's like, I'll fuck, I'll dance on the street. Who cares? What, what, what am I worried about? It doesn't matter if someone sees me dance. People like that stuff. And so there, there's that. It's like, uh, it was a conditioning thing. Maybe I'll think of it. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of this has to come down to putting yourself outside of yourself. Just, yeah. I like to keep reminding people Yes, you should trust your gut. Yes, you should trust your intuition. But your thinking after a breakup is just messed up. It's not real. It's so dramatized. It's so not true. It's so negative towards yourself. So you kind of just have to, you know, in that situation, if you're surrounded by couples, just think back to when you were a couple and you saw a single person. You're not like, wow, what a fucking loser that person is. No, you're like, oh, there's yeah. just another person here at this haunted house. Like, We don't think about other people the way that we think about ourselves. So sometimes you have to put yourself in another person's shoes and be like, it's not a big deal. I'm the one making it a big deal. Really just shouldn't think of yourself as I am single. Because that's kind of like saying there's a binary of like, oh, either I'm in a relationship or I'm out of one. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. You should just be happy. If another person is there that you can have like a healthy, interdependent connection with, hell yeah. Great. But like you should never. There's a, a great thing that Terry Cole says in her book about just like adults can't be abandoned. Your sense of abandonment from childhood is very legitimate. Your trauma, very legitimate. However... You're grown up. Unless you have a severe handicap, you're designed to be autonomous and not be abandoned by anyone except yourself. Mm. So think about how you feel abandoned by this other adult who is in your adult life, not from your childhood. And just think about how you could better be there for yourself in that yeah. situation. What I wanted to say was boxing. Okay. So you're talking about oh. how it sucks to work out. I had a friend who'd been asking me to go to his gym and I hate working out. I was doing, I was in really good shape, but I was boxing, especially as like somebody who's slightly queer and like had been bullied. And I was just like, what? But I'm a big guy. I'm really tall. And I'm like, why not? Why not? I showed up super heartbroken two days after I got dumped, ready to box for the first time in a gym full of other people who are experienced at boxing. And I was like, crying openly and like unable to keep up with the the hit workout and just sort of just like going, (laughs) nobody cared. I picked the right friend and, you know, even though it was like mostly dudes and more masculine than me, they were all just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're going through some shit. Right. And that was a huge risk to be willing to like, not just go, but like, I don't know, not go walk and hide in a corner, but just sort of like put, you you know, take care of myself and step out of everyone else's way, but be pretty visible. And it was, it was embarrassing, but also I didn't have to be embarrassed. And it felt, it felt really just sort of like, well, I'm doing what I got to do. Whatever. You know, there's nothing to be ashamed of here. My friend's not embarrassed. My friend wanted to talk to me. People wanted to come up to me and tell me to come back. You know, if they were so uncomfortable, they wouldn't have done that. But I, I, I was lucky enough to have, you know, presence of mind self-esteem enough to carry myself like yeah i'm sobbing but i'm okay you know i'm managing mm-hmm. and um i think everybody deserves that and i i, I don't want to hit anybody i hit an adult for the first time my whole life 
just going to the gym after my break. <laughs> it was my friend who was begging me to hit him in the face. I think boxing is the number one Man, physical great. activity that I would recommend for someone going through a breakup. And I don't even like the idea of like, oh, I'm hitting because I'm angry or like want to watch competitive boxing. I just I can't watch competitive boxing. No, but yeah, not in the macho sports, except for snacks. I will come to your house for macho sports. If yeah, you have good snacks. It's just not not appealing to me, but like the the way it's a lot of hit workout, a lot of core workout, a lot of stamina, a lot of learning how to carry your entire body and use force and strength with it without hurting yourself. Yeah, you I think it's also like moving those feelings out of you. You know, when I'm talking about like your nervous system kind of thing, like, yeah, I just always would walk out feeling so much lighter from it because it would be like, okay, like things were moving. Yes. I don't know what was happening, but things were just moving in and out of me. And yeah, yeah. And it would feel so good. But to what you were saying about the abandonment thing, I love Mm -hmm. that. I don't even remember us talking about that when I interviewed her, but it is so true that I think a lot of the time what we face when we're going through a breakup, and this isn't true for everyone, but I think a lot of what we face is realizing that we majorly self-abandoned yeah. within oh, yeah. not so much that the other person abandoned us. And there are cases where it a hundred percent feels like that, but we realize, oh my God, I just totally self-abandoned and now I'm yeah. stuck. I'm stuck with me. I'm stuck with myself. And so that's why I think so much breakup stuff is get to know yourself and all that, because probably you lost a good chunk of that within the relationship. I forgot what part of me was resilient. You know, like I forgot Mm -hmm. what made me so resilient. And it was accountability. It was like, I'm really good at being like, yeah, I did that. I own that. I'm supposed to be accountable for that. Do I always do it great? Of course not. I'm a human being, but like, I'm really good at being like, I'm accountable. Like that is mine to take care of. And I had to learn to do that for myself. I had to learn to be like, I'm not making myself feel great. What am I denying myself just so I can be like what I think is good around other people? Like I really deserve to be giving myself all kinds of psychological support just all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. The way your work intersected with Terry Cole was really great for me. Really liked your your workshop on moving on. I took it right as I was about to start my six month sabbatical from dating. So I was like, great. I know what I'm building towards, but I'm not going to do it for a while. Totally. And also there's this woman, Amy Fielder. Do you know her? She does. No. Uh, she does life coaching for people who've experienced trauma. Okay. And a lot of it intersects with relationships. And it's really good, I think, for folks to treat yourself to some resources, really be be diligent about taking a step back and objectively seeing, is this person, you know, qualified? Is this the kind of help where they should be accredited or have a third party kind of like medical blah, 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 Uh, and really give yourself a lot of it. I got myself a... Uh, an audible subscription, not because I love throwing money at Jeff Bezos, but because (laughs) I just was like, I want to be able every month to have another book about taking care of myself or relationships. And even if I don't agree with the point of view, I got another book next week. I'm just going to try to learn. Yeah. You know, and so helpful, so helpful to just start absorbing all this knowledge and fitting it together and realizing like what you are as a puzzle. 
Totally. I love that. It's just about getting when people say, how do you date yourself? Which I don't, I don't Give know. Give yourself how I feel. gifts. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that <laughs> whole weird. term. It's like, it sounds really, it's like a very cutesy term. I think there's a lot of these cutesy terms that gets adopted, but how do you do that? I think a lot of it is when you're dating someone, you're curious about them. You're asking them questions. You're it's like, yes, how do you get curious? Yes. It's getting curious about yourself of like, yeah. okay, what makes me tick? What have, you know, looking at past relationships, what did I like about this person? How did they make me feel? It's really just like kind of interview, not interviewing, but yeah, <laughs> like the questions you would ask on a date kind of a thing of yeah, like to eat. Curious about yourself is such a perfect way to put it. Because I think if you are coming from a place of people pleasing and you've half figured it out, at least, you know that it's not about just pretending to be curious about somebody. There's a way to curate general curiosity about another person that makes them feel really appreciated and seen. Why are you not doing that for yourself too? There's really so much more you can be doing for yourself. If you've ever had a therapist or somebody tell you that you might be a people pleaser or you have codependent stuff, just, yeah, like what are the healthy ways you can focus on yourself? Don't worry about dating yourself and all that junk. What can you give yourself? Gifts, not my love language. Even love languages, like what is going on with those? I feel like it's that love languages, attachment theory, there's so much there yeah. that is for you and not for you to weaponize against a partner. Yes. And that's you know, why especially I attachment theory. Like attachment yes. theory is so you can understand your own attachment issues. It's not so you can go, well, my ex was avoidant. Blech. You know, it's like, yeah, they probably were avoidant, but also that's for them to work on and they're gone. So don't. I typically tell people, I'm like, don't even get into attachment theory until you're like a little bit out of the breakup. Cause so often they'll be oh like, God. if only I had this book during the relationship, like I would have fixed it. And so many people are like, I want to send this oh. to my ex. And I'm like, please, no, please don't. This no. is not about your ex at all. Cause I discovered that during my relationship, I took like five tests got real clear about what a path towards having secure attachment would look like if I could ever achieve it, obviously anxious, and then got my ex to take a test, very bitter about having the conversation with me, turned out, quote unquote, slightly avoidant. That triggered me in so many ways where I want to be like, slightly, slightly avoidant. And it's like, who cares, Dan? Just yeah, let their test be their test. Let their issues be their issues. It's got to be about your side of the street. And I find there are a lot of folks out there who will be like, oh, you got to take care of your side of the street. And they don't take care of their side of the street. There's a lot of double talking out there in the self-guidance community, relationship community, psychology community. And you really have to kind of give yourself enough respect to collect a lot of it and sift through it, figure out what is important for your process, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. And even like kind of to close this out of going back to what we were talking about in the beginning of not necessarily being the one, but there's like all these people out there. My AA sponsor would always tell me when I was single and really wanting a in the beginning of being single, really wanting a relationship. She was like, you're cooking like you're literally just a dish. You're cooking. There's someone else out there. They're cooking, too. When you guys are ready. Yeah. You'll, you'll come together. But it's like you're not going to do anything by just wishing to be in a different place and you're so much better suited to like enhance that cooking that you're doing yes and then that will bring you to uh, the, the right person that's such a lovely way to frame it 
I, think, I know I it's think... kind of weird to think about us cooking, but like I liked, you know, <laughs> sure. I well, liked you know, the analogy. Well, the reason it appeals to me is I think my biggest struggle has been the idea that I don't really believe in fate. I'm a secular person. And I think like a lot of my my friends, especially ones just I happen to have met in life, they're not secular or they are like it's really 50 50. And there's so much advice that's like geared like only towards people who believe in fate and destiny. Yeah, that doesn't appeal to me. But you know what I have? I found out if I'm having a good day and I feel great, if I feel cooked, right? If I feel like maybe I won't feel this way tomorrow, maybe I won't feel this way even in like an hour. But like today, I feel like I'm healed and I know what I want and I'm going to have fun and be kind to me and other people. People hit on me at bars and stuff. Yeah. And I'll be I'll be like, really? Okay. And it doesn't mean I'm going to pursue it, but it is sort of like, oh, I'm radiating something. And I might not know, like, I might not feel like there's there's higher power necessarily, but it's a really good like lesson in, well, I'm not putting anyone on a pedestal. I am. I'm I'm healing. I'm doing well. And people notice. People notice maybe just a very yeah. slight change in my posture. People notice that I look like I know how to take care of myself. And they're like, oh, well, they can take care of me. And it's like just a very subtle thing that is, I think, a really good reminder that if you do not worry about another person, they can find you. And it's not doesn't have to be a higher force reaching out and connecting the wires like you're you're really encouraging through, I don't know, pheromones, body language, like come to me and you don't even have to think about it. Just take care of yourself. Totally. And this actually just made me think I have like I have three people that I know in my life that met their husband at Stagecoach, which I think you, I mean, being from South, it's like a big country festival out in the desert. (laughs) I'm not a country fan, but I have three friends that did it. And if we think about like how we are at music festivals, we're like so uninhibited. We're like having fun. We're just like totally living in the moment. You're not going trying to find a husband and three people that I know met husbands there. And it's probably just because Ah, of what you were saying of like, they were just having fun and being themselves and not worrying about it. And that's when they, you know, that's when someone popped right into their life. So many relationship guides are like, you have to get on apps. You have to date a lot of people. And like you were saying about like having been in multiple relationships and like finding your middle, like there's something to be said for that. But also like, if you kind of know what you want, if you've been in a couple of relationships, take the risk that meet cutes are rare and let the best sounding thing be your thing. Go ahead and like be happy and go live your life. And if you collide at a festival, think about how romantic that is. And if Mm -hmm. you don't collide with somebody, think about how rad it was that you gave yourself space to have that be the way you do. Like just giving yourself that space is awesome. Yeah, worst case, you go to a fun festival and have yeah. and have fun and dance with your friends. Like, there's not it's really a, a lose there. It's really how you frame it. You just got to frame it as like, this is something I'm, it's great to do things for me. I fucking rule. This is going to be a good time. And then if someone else shows up, great time and good job. You know? I love that. Well, Dan, this has been so fun talking to you. I really, really enjoyed this talk and really excited for other people to hear it and super excited to hear what's next on just this journey of of yourself, which is awesome. We should all be like, even though I'm in a relationship and a, a mom, like we should all be on the journey of self. I think that's a great lesson to come out of this episode. Just trying to be present, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. 